Hello, this is episode two of Manif- <laughs> Manifested INFJs. What? I'm sorry, I just... Hello, governors. The way that we were talking before you started it, and then you come on with this sweet voice, and I'm just like, I, I was so not <laughs> expecting that. I was ready to be like, hello. Yeah. Anyway. All right, episode two. We are talking about what is an INFJ. All right. I'll start with the I is for introverted. I feel like this is a preschool song. I is for introverted. Um, B is for... <laughs> I don't know how much to censor myself, so it's hard. It's okay. My grandma already listened to the first episode. I'm pretty sure... Your grandma? <laughs> it's, like, it's right. your grandma really? Um, my grandma's pretty badass. I think she tries to be. Grandma, if you're listening... I love she you. really for sure did? I don't know. I'm guessing oh. she does. She's following her Instagram page. It's oh. fine. Like, why are we censoring Sorry, ourselves? Grandma. <laughs> grandma, listen, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I'm energized by quiet alone time. That's why I haven't returned your phone call. I love you. And I'm just a hood rat. <laughs> <laughs> We're just a couple of hood rats. I'm fine, Grandma. I love you. Um, so introverted is for energized by quiet alone time. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this intro, introvert. So I feel like uh, we need this more than we want to believe sometimes. And when we don't get it, we are a hot mess. Um, I thrive on alone time. I do too. I love alone time. I do too. I think that's why it's so cool to be friends with another INFJ too is like, like, we'll text each other and just be like, I'm introverting. And we're like, okay, I get it. And yeah. we just get it. We're yeah. like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I see you. No need to. Because we meet outside a lot and just talk. And sometimes we're just like, have to introvert inside. <laughs> like, you might not see me for a while, but it's because I need to recharge my batteries. Right. We get it. But that's another thing, too, is like, we could hang out. Not that we've ever done this, but just be quiet together and be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, we could go somewhere and hang out and not talk and, like, you're still getting that social time, but, like, we just get it, yeah. which is nice. I think that it's a, something that a lot of people don't understand. <clears throat> there are a lot of introverts, but there are a lot of people who are not, who don't understand it. Or they're introverts and they don't understand why they need to introvert. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I think, like, when I went through my divorce, I had to tell several people I'm an introvert. And they would say, well, why? Why are you an introvert? What does an introvert mean? And I'm like, you know, if you can't Google it, <laughs> yeah, like, just give me space. Like, how else can you say that? How can you explain to somebody that doesn't know what an introvert is? I don't know. We need quite alone time to figure out ourselves and our thought processes are different than other people's and it's very important to have that time and it's funny how some people will make you feel about it they either think that you're depressed right and that you should be more social and that they need to help you or rescue you or they think you're selfish right and just self-absorbed which is just so funny to me because I'm like how else how do other people recharge I don't understand how people can recharge their batteries around other people because to me that's so draining like because we take in everything like we see every detail we hear every little thing so we're just like hyper yes all the time yeah hyper aroused hyper aware hyper alert all of it yeah hyper aroused oh no, every time sorry, you say that, that i'm like what <laughs> so like 
So hyper aroused just means we're high alert. Like oh. it's the same thing. So I know it sounds dirty. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just said that for my grandma. Sorry, grandma. Um, or dad. I don't know who's listening. I don't even care anymore. I should. I do care, but I don't. So I'm not going to care anymore. Yeah. If you don't want to listen to it, don't listen to it. Um, all right. So yeah, that that is super important to us. And if you know you're an introvert, you'll know that you enjoy being alone. But you also enjoy time with other people who enjoy being alone. Um, and it's not like you don't enjoy your time with other people. But it also requires a lot of balance. Like, we can spend time around other people and do things and enjoy it. Right. As long as we're balancing it with quiet downtime. For sure. For ourselves. I think it's important in a relationship to respect that from another person. And that's so hard, too. That's another thing is that I've been in relationships where the other person doesn't understand it. And it's hard for us to explain and they take it personal. And it's like, it's nothing against that other person. Exactly. I just need that time so that I'm not frazzled and irritated. And then they take it personal. And sometimes it becomes toxic almost. I know <clears throat> it's really hard for other people to understand. And if we don't get that time, then we shut down even more. And then it becomes this, why aren't they talking to me? And it's so hard to explain to somebody who does not understand it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't understand it. That kind of reminds me of this point. This is kind of off topic. But there's this cycle that is like uh, the attachment style of like, uh, I think it's the abandoned attachment style or something like that where... Like, you need consistency, but if you feel like something's off, then you pull away, and the other person feels you pull away, so then they pull away, which makes you feel more abandoned, so you pull away further until, and then the cycle just continues, and it's, oh, it's called the abandonment attachment style spiral, or something like that, because if your, if your attachment styles are different, it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. Unless you see it and you and you understand it and you guys can work together through it. Because, like, with me, any little tiny thing, I think something's wrong. Then I pull myself away. And then I can feel them pulling away, which makes me pull away more. Right. And it goes in that spiral. I think that, yeah, that's true. I definitely have had that issue before. Definitely had that issue. Um, all right. Intuitive. The next one is for intuitive, which is the N. The N is for intuitive. I didn't really realize that. I mean, I know it, but I haven't really looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> N is for intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, sees patterns and possibilities. So we talked about this earlier. Um, this is our thought process this is how we see things this is how we learn we see patterns we see history repeating itself this is just how we learn um i don't know do you want to give an example 
I mean, this is kind of random, but what I was thinking about the other day is, like, how the world has changed with, like, climate change and things like that. And I'm like, you know, it's interesting that once, I mean, if you go off, like, Bible standpoint, the world was completely on fire. And then it was a complete ice age. And then it's like it goes through all these cycles. So it's like with global warming, everything's been warming up. We haven't been getting as much snow. The ice caps are melting and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I wonder how far it's going to go before it starts over and goes the other direction, you know? And I wonder if, like, humans are even going to still be here by then. But, I mean, it it goes through, like, cycles. And, And also you go back in history to like all the famine like there was famines and there was like what they called plagues or whatever with like the locusts and the frogs and things like that and we have similar things happening today and it's interesting that like people believe that it's part of like the second coming but I just think it's like it's patterns after so many years certain things like happen you know like you get a drought and then seven years later, you get another drought, and it's just like, it's just the cycle of everything. I think that goes back to, we were discussing about how INFJs all have this common thing where we obsess about human behavior, and there are some INFJs who obsess about history, there are some who love science, psychology is huge, it's huge for me, like, I love psychology, um, space, for yeah. some reason, it, but but we see patterns and things and we love that and we can connect the dots and a lot of things and our minds love that because we love to research we love reading we love researching and putting the puzzle pieces together yes makes us feel like accomplished or something yes so that's huge um intuitive also we have most infjs are natural born empaths So we have this gut feeling, our intuition, which goes too intuitive. We have this, we're born with this intuition where we lead with it and we have these amazing gut feelings and we read people well, which is also intuitive. Um, But we're also introverts, so we don't really voice it out loud. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that we're we're kind of, uh, society has taught us to not trust that intuition. So, yes, intuitive. The next one is feeling. Um, So, I think INFJs use this before intuition. And that gets tricky and we get into trouble. Uh, We think with our heart before we think with our brains and our intuition. And that's not good. But as we get older, I think a lot of us, as we get older, we learn that. I think that that is another pattern I've always noticed with my father and myself. He's always said, you're, you're so much like myself. <clears throat> and he thinks with his heart before he thinks with his brain. That goes back to another pattern that I was discussing with another INFJ today. Um, we were talking about how um, INFJs are actually more intellectually gifted than people with mental illness. <clears throat> But because we think with our hearts before we think with our brains, that is how we get roped into toxic situations. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but if we're raised in toxic households, we don't see those patterns, those healthy patterns. 
we see the unhealthy patterns that are familiar and we stay in this toxic circle of unhealthy patterns, which sucks, but it's good for us to see it. Because if you can train your brain to see the healthy patterns that you need, you know what I mean? Like, learn what the, what the green flags are instead of the red flags, you know? And not only that, but our brains are wired as empaths to put others before us. So we're not thinking about ourselves when we're seeing these patterns. We're thinking about other people, which is why we see other relationships so differently than our own. Like, I think that you and I have, that has been really awesome for us. Like, I can see issues in your relationships or past relationships. Mm -hmm that you've never seen and that goes for you with my relationships too you can spot it out like yeah i can talk i'm not emotionally involved right yeah so i can think with my brain and not my empathy but i think the closer we become friends the harder it is (laughs) because it's like we like i empathize with you so much and we're so similar that it's like hard for me to see outside of that circle now that it's like i think like you so that was me no (laughs) no You're highly aroused. (laughs) Um, Okay, feeling. So that is another thing. I think that we feel so much. We use feeling so much. Um, It's a gift. We're good people. But it's also a curse. We feel too much. Well, that's what society tells us. Well, yes. Okay. We, okay, yes. You're right. You're right. But it is hard. Yeah. It is hard because a lot of people don't relate to it. They... How do you explain it to other people? You don't because we're introverts. <laughs> yeah. You don't and we're targets to toxic people. So... It is very hard for us to say, I feel so much about everybody. Well, um, the problem is, it's like, when people don't understand it, then they make excuses. Like, you're too sensitive, you're too highly emotional, and they make you feel like you're crazy for... But it's like, you don't understand how much I feel. Like, I feel so deeply that it's insane. Like, I mean, I'm sure that there's people that aren't INFJs that feel like this, too, that are highly sensitive or maybe not even that but there are a lot of other feelers you know like even just listening to stories like I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and things like that but there's times that it'll hit my heartstrings that I'll just like ball and I'll think about it for days on end about stories that I can do nothing about and it's like but I feel so much about it right definitely you know I brought that subject up today about feeling so much um I think growing up with a toxic mother I think that was the biggest thing for me and that people don't understand is that my mother did a lot of damage to me personally and went after me but as an empath she did more damage by hurting the people that I love more than hurting myself as an empath because I could let her hurt me and realize and not take it personal. Eventually, I didn't take it personal. I realized that she was never happy regardless. Um, 
but to see her hurt my sister, my stepsister, my father's, my father's were huge, um, who I believe are both INFJs and empaths. <clears throat> That's the thing, though, to, because you feel it so strongly, but you you are helpless in that situation because there's nothing that you can do you can't help them in a way that you know that you want to so it's it's worse to go after the people that you really care about because there's nothing you can do you know if she goes after you 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 get to choose how you react to it you get to choose if it affects you or if you brush it off your shoulder but when it's somebody else and you feel them hurting and then you feel like it's your fault because you know that you're the one that's being targeted. Right. Then it's it's just such a, a terrible, helpless feeling. Yes. I think I have very vivid memories of feeling so much at maybe three years old of my father. The pain. I felt the pain that he felt. I felt the emotions from my mother. And just remembering, you know, at three years old, I was so aware emotionally that that's something that we don't realize as parents, like how much our kids are absorbing as kids, what we're feeling. Um, and, and the truth is, is that there are a lot of kids who are emotionally more intelligent than most adults mm-hmm. who are absorbing as empath children who are absorbing the information, the pain but they don't realize it because adults are so self-absorbed. They're so self-absorbed that they don't, it's all about them. You know, it's, they don't see like that their children are empaths as well. Mm-hmm. They're feeling, you know, so sorry for themselves and they're not seeing what's going on around them. And that's hard. It is so hard, but it is something that needs to be talked about too, Yeah, you know? We can't help our children if we're not helping ourselves, which is another thing. We are on this healing journey, not only for ourselves, more importantly, our children, but we can't help our children until we are fully healed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's the problem because it's the cycle. Like people that you don't heal what hurts you, so then you hurt those around you. And then the cycle continues. Like our moms probably went through, I don't know what your mom's been through, but my mom didn't have the best childhood. I mean, she's been through some shit. And so instead of healing what hurts her, she just hurts those around her. So she did the same thing to me that was done to her. And then if I don't heal what hurts me, then I'm going to do the same thing to my son that was done to me. And then the cycle just keeps continuing. So we are here to break the cycle. And that's part of like, that goes back to like the whole indigo child, star seed type situation where we're supposed to be the ones that break the cycle. And that's why we have all these, I mean, I guess what they call gifts. Yeah. You know? I think so. I think it's genetics. It's history. It's a way of of everything, you know, coming together and seeing this and us seeing these patterns that are so similar that we have these same patterns and our kids have our patterns and for us to come together and say, you know, we need to stop this for our kids, but we have to do it for ourselves first. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but our kids are clearly empaths, all three of them. Mm-hmm. So whatever pain we're carrying around, they're absorbing. 
And that's something that I didn't realize until recently. I was absorbing pain of my spouse that I didn't realize. Yeah. You know, as a fixer, as a healer, he was carrying pain that I was absorbing mm -hmm. as a healer. I wanted to fix him. I wanted to heal him. But I didn't realize how much it was weighing down on me. Yeah. You know? And our kids will do that with us. And my daughter does it already. And I have to look at her and say, this is not your job. Yeah. But I know as an empath, as a highly sensitive empath, that she's still going to carry a lot of that. Yeah. So that's huge. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, so, yeah, take a look at yourself. What are you carrying? What are your kids absorbing? What are you absorbing from your significant other? What are you... And if you have this, like, toxic shit that you're carrying around, do you want to bring that into a relationship? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Because if that other person isn't ready to help you deal with it, like, how do you bring that into a relationship and have it go in a healthy way? Because mm -hmm. then you're just starting the cycle over, you know? Anyways, that's the difference too. Is like, I mean, this is the first time in my life where I haven't been in a toxic relationship, you know? I mean, and it's insane because it makes a big difference when you actually find somebody that's healthy and mentally stable and that actually cares about you and wants to support you and help you succeed in life versus somebody that you have to heal. I've always been with people that I felt like I needed to fix or heal, but I realized like you can't heal somebody that doesn't want to be healed and you can't do the work for them. Yes. Cause it's not going to, it's not going to last either. Like nobody healed me. I had to heal myself. So why, why should, why should I try to heal somebody else? I mean, it's not going to be that easy. Right. Cause which, if other, which, other people could heal us, then we would have been healed a long time ago. Which I think goes back to another thing they say about INFJs is that we are attracted to people, people are attracted to us that need healing mm -hmm. because we are those natural born empaths and protectors. It is, our DNA screams to help other people, mm -hmm. to save other people, to heal other people. But should you do it in a relationship that's good for you? No. Well, the other thing too is like I saw this video uh, like a month ago that completely blew my mind and it was like you go after emotionally unavailable people because you yourself are emotionally unavailable and it blew my mind because I was thinking about it and I'm like I've always wondered what had gone wrong in all my relationships because I always thought you know like I'm a good person I do everything for them like my son's dad I woke up early every morning and I would start his car or his truck and I would make him breakfast and lunch and get everything packed and help him get out the door and I always made sure the house was clean and food was cooked and I doted on him for everything but then I realized like I never emotionally let him into me or my life but I mean he, he wouldn't let me either he would shut me out and anytime I would try to be emotionally available like say something personal about me I felt like shut down but I realized like I never really got close to anybody like I always knew them but they never knew me and I never let them either so that kind of like blew my mind because I always thought you know like not saying that I thought that I was perfect but I thought that I was like 
a good person to be with and that I did so much for them, but I realized like, but I wasn't doing anything for myself, you know? And that goes back to another thing of growing up in a toxic environment is that as empath children, we are natural born pleasers. <laughs> we want to please people, but we, we are convinced that if we love somebody enough, they will love us back mm-hmm. as children. But you learn as you get older that you find yourself doing that in relationships. If you mm-hmm. love somebody enough, if you do enough things for them, will they love you? That's what you hope, that they will love you back. But is that genuine love? Is that real mm. love? You know? And well, it goes back to your parents. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But it goes back to, go. like, parents, like, if you you try so hard to get them to love you, you know? Like, you try to do certain things to try and get them to like to earn their love yeah but that's but that's not how it is that's just the way that we were raised and we thought in our brains that that's how it works but that's not how it works at all so that's the difference between conditional and unconditional love Mm -hmm. and I think that's the difference between our parenting I think with our parenting like granted we don't say that we are the perfect parents but one thing that we have done for our children that our mothers and father who are father Sorry, I don't want to call your dad out. You can't really call, call him out. <laughs> they didn't offer us unconditional love. Yeah. And as a as a daughter, to not get unconditional love and damage instead from a mother, that is probably the hardest thing that we will ever go through. Yeah. The other thing that I was realizing that I I guess I never I don't know if I just was trying to suppress it or if I just never thought about it, but I don't think that there had ever really been anyone that has loved me unconditionally. Well, I know that you do. (laughs) But I'm saying, like, before I met you. Right. And before I met Brock, I felt like, like I never really thought about it until I met you guys and I saw the way that you treated me and talked to me. And I was like, holy shit. Nobody in my life has ever loved me unconditionally. No one. Not a single soul. Because every time that I wouldn't do everything that they wanted, they would leave me. And so I'm just like, holy shit, that's a lot to, like, realize, you know? And I've always tried so hard to keep people in my life and do everything for them to make sure they stayed. And then I realized, that's not how it should be you shouldn't have to try so hard to keep people in your life to just be around you to love you no you know never and you shouldn't have to live with that feeling of what do I have to do next to keep this person around like the like the fact that we ever felt that way is sad but we're seeing it and we're stopping it we don't want our kids to live that way and I think that's the biggest difference between our kids and us, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. We have to give ourselves credit somewhere. Yeah. And I think that is a huge thing with Sammy. I think the first time I ever felt unconditional love, other than my father's, I feel like my father's both gave me unconditional love in their own way. My stepfather is obviously broken, was a broken INFJ. And my father is an unaware INFJ, I believe. <clears throat> okay, unaware empath, I'll say that. Um, 
but definitely I always felt that love from them but to not get up from your mother is a different story as a as a girl as a woman as a child as a girl mm-hmm. um and then um but I think I found it in different ways I think I had a neighbor who always showed unconditional love her children I loved unconditionally which is why I have this thing with kids I think like I love kids because that's what offered me that love that unconditional love as a child that's what saved me from becoming a damaged okay more damaged person is because of I found love in dogs children my father's I think that I I found love in other places but I never had that unconditional love for my mother and that's huge um but then our children have that and then you see the difference like my daughter, and I did not try to make her this way, is literally a carbon copy of myself, but but also she's not. It's like she's me with a different environment. She's you with a healthy environment yes. growing up that if you would have had, you know what yeah, I mean? that unconditional love. Like, mm-hmm. I've always told her, and I've never known really what to do as a mother or who to be as a mother but I've always followed my intuition and I've and that is because I could not rely on my mother for advice for for help um and so I just fell back on my maternal instincts and they kicked in and whatever I did it it was okay it worked you know and I think that's another thing for women like us out there that don't have moms to look back on for help or advice as far as mothering or even a figure to look at. How am I supposed to be a mom? If you follow your intuition and truly like are your genuine self, yeah. you know what to do as a mother. Yeah. You know? And not second guess yourself. The other thing that you told me that you told me a long time ago that really made me think is because I, I was talking to you about like how are we supposed to do this? Like how are we supposed to parent our kids? Because I don't have any healthy examples of, like, good parenting. Like, I never had the parents that I wish that I could have had, you know? And I see other people with that, and I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to be a good mom when I have no idea how to do that? And you told me, when you feel lost and you don't know what to do, you just do the opposite of what your mom did. And, and then you know that you're on the right track. <laughs> and that's and not I, healthy by any means. But, but it, it gives you a good direction because I'm like, I think about it and I'm like, okay, so what did my mom do and how can I do this differently? Because I remember so many times like crying so much and just wanting her to hug me. All I wanted was to be held or to be comforted and and she would ignore me for hours and this goes back to the whole um, thing with like parents saying to just let your kids cry it out. And they, they've done a lot of research on this to show that... The Ferber study. Yes. Ferber method. Yes. It's wrong. It's so bad. It's wrong. Because they say, well, let your kids cry it out because they need to learn to self-soothe. Kids are physically... It's physically impossible for them to self-soothe. Because their brain hasn't developed enough for them to be able to do that for themselves. So you are purposefully neglecting them 
and they don't understand what's wrong, but they know that you're not there and they feel abandoned. And then, and then we wonder why we have so many sociopaths and narcissistic mm-hmm. personality disorders and so many personality disorders in this world because of that. Mm-hmm. And it's insane. And it's like, do people not see that there's a pattern here? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> where, but our maternal instincts and, and our, as INFJs are so strong. And that's another thing that I've been reading. And the crazy thing about that is that my mother was never maternal, but my father was. And he was the oldest of a large family with a lot of girls. And I truly believe that, like, what little maternal instincts my father had made me who I am. And my stepfather. I have to give my stepfather credit because he's been there since I was little and raised me like his own. And his own dysfunctional INFJ way. (laughs) But I have to give him credit too because he was the one that was there for a lot of it. But that is huge. And I think that like with you and I though too, we have to give ourselves credit because we literally raised ourselves to be maternal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we found it wherever we could. Whether that was a neighbor, whether that was a dog whether that was wherever we could find it we found it because we had those instincts and so I think I think we have to give ourselves credit we have to give other people credit I think it really does take a village in some situations to step up and be that person that a child needs yeah and it does make a huge impact on a kid's life when you are that person you know my problem was I didn't find that until I was older because my mom is not maternal and you know she's not she's not there anymore but my dad was always gone I mean when I was little he was in and out he was a truck driver and doing his own thing whatever then I got a little bit older and he started doing construction and was always gone fishing or hunting or with his buddies never really saw him my parents separated a couple times and then divorced when I was 14 and I didn't like I didn't really have anyone. The only people that I had was in the church and going to church. People brought me in because I was like the, you know, model Mormon girl. But then once I left the church, it was like I was so alone. But I didn't really have like, excuse me, real maternal figures in my life to look to that weren't there just because of religion and just because they wanted to mold me into what they thought I should be which is narcissistic anyways yeah you like that's not unconditional love that's no that's why I said I've never felt it because everything in my life has been conditional my dad's love for me was conditional and and my parents fought about it all the time because like my dad became atheist and my mom was still Mormon and it was like on Sundays my dad would go fishing or go do something and my mom would go to church and then me and my brother had to decide what we were going to do. Well, my mom made us all feel like shit. So my brother and I, 98% of the time went to church with my mom. But there was a couple times like, like I love animals and I love horses. And my dad was living in a camp trailer on this guy's farm. And this horse fell in the canal and swam up to his farm one day and got out. And he told me that I could have it. This guy did. So my dad would use that and say, well, 
on Sunday you can either go to church with your mom or you can come see this horse. Nice. So I'm like, of course I'm going to go see that horse, you know? But then my mom would treat me like shit. But then if I go to church, then my dad's going to treat me like shit, you know? I mean, my parents used my brother and I as pawns against each other and against my brother and I against ourselves, right. you know? Like, That's another red flag for unhealthy parenting, toxic parenting, is using your kids as pawns. They were very good at it. Yes. Which is partially the reason why I blame our childhood. Like, my brother and I are not close now. We don't talk. I don't really know much about him. He doesn't know hardly anything about me. And I have all the love in the world for him. Like, I love him to death, but we're not close. And I don't think we ever will be. And that's that's another thing from narcissistic parenting is turning your kids against each other. Mm-hmm. Using them against each other, which my mother did a lot. I mean, I was the good child and my sister was the child who always had a boyfriend or would get into trouble. <clears throat> and my mother would use it against me. Well, if I didn't tell my mother what my sister was doing, I would get grounded for the same amount of time that she would. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, there's so many things that we can talk about that we could do differently than our parents. Anyways, we could go off forever. But, okay, last thing. Judging. Prefer structure and order. We talked about this earlier. Yeah. So, this is another one of those things that we prefer, but we are not um, this at all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, definitely a contradiction. We are just one giant contradiction, which is fine. That's just who we are. But we need structure and order to mm-hmm. survive, to thrive. And consistency. consistency. In people, too. Yes. Not just things. Like, yes. yes. Not just our day-to-day, but in people. Like, we need that in our lives to feel safe and secure and structure. Right. You know, that and doesn't if- always mean that we're going to be the ones that create that structure and consistency. Mm-hmm. But that's how we thrive is we need that. Right. I agree. I don't know what else to say about that other than we need it, but we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're not very good at creating that for ourselves. We're kind of fly by the seat of our pants. I think the funny thing is, so this whole thing about structure, this is going off about my stepfather as a child was very OCD about things clean he was super clean everything had to be clean all the time he needed structure he needed that order and I never really understood it um and I was always that messy child oh my god I was so messy I threw shit everywhere my my daughter is the same way now like she is that same way and I going back to these patterns that we see after I had my daughter I became a clean freak I became that OCD freak like like that like I don't know if it was the maternal instincts or the stress of having a child but it threw me into this OCD loop where like everything had to be structured and cleaned in order for me to survive as a mother because I needed I needed that structure I guess and then as I got older I had other family members say, how did you end up being just like Mike, my stepfather? And I would say, I don't know, you know? And then I would think about it and say, you know, maybe it's just a learned behavior. And, and then I would have several people say, you 
and your sense of humor and your OCD, like you ended up just like your stepfather. And I, and I never really thought about it until I had this situation where I was targeted by a sociopath and it was so familiar to me. The situation was so familiar. This, this man who this lady was discussing was talking about how he was only good for cleaning the house and how, um, you know, how he didn't like anybody and it clicked and I was like, oh my God, he sounds like me. And then I'm like, but it also sounds like my stepfather. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm an INFJ. My stepfather's an INFJ. My mother targeted both of my fathers who have these quirks. Yeah. And it clicked, and that's where the intuition, the patterns come in. Well, you also, you both went through the same trauma with the same person and coped with it the same way. Yes. You know, but that's that's the way that you learned how to deal with it and cope because, I mean, that's when I get the most cleaning done is when I'm upset. Because you need that. Yeah. Like, you need that structure it's like a way to like cope with what's going on it's a a sense of control it gives you some control excuse me yes absolutely control is you have control over something Mm -hmm. and also as an empath we need that sense of serenity to fill that peace Mm -hmm. and if we can control it and nobody else can come in and invade that space that's huge for us that's yes thank you going back to that (laughs) we need that space that's calm and serene because we thrive in that and order like we need that and when our house is chaotic it causes us to be chaotic Mm -hmm. we feel chaotic when our space which we were talking about earlier how when your house is an apartment or your house your apartment is a mess but like you don't have the energy to clean it like that overwhelms you and not just while I'm in the apartment but until it gets done, I will feel overwhelmed and stressed and chaotic, and I will think about it 24-7 until it is until it's done. clean and back to feeling comfortable. Oh, I'm like that too. Which sucks sometimes because I'll go to work, and all I can think about all day is coming home and cleaning my apartment, and then I get home, and I'm like, fuck this, I'm tired, yeah. I'm going to take a nap. And then I just stress the whole entire time, and then I wake up in a panic, and then I'm pissed at myself that I didn't clean. And then it starts all over again until, you know, and then I don't give myself the time to do it. And it's just the vicious cycle. I think that goes back to, um, what were we talking about earlier about being perfectionist? Oh, idealistic. We are very idealistic. We are very hard on ourselves, and we have these ideas of how we should be but not anybody else. We don't judge other people. Yeah, Like, when I go over to your apartment, I'm not like, Jesus, Winnie, get it together. You know? (laughs) It's funny, because I'm the same way. Like, I would never go into somebody's house or apartment and judge them. Right. I mean, if it was really, really bad, I might be like, ooh, you might need some help. But I'm not like, oh, you're a terrible person. Right. Or think these things. But for some reason, I think that everyone thinks that about me. Right. So I'm like, you can't come <laughs> into my apartment. You can't see what it looks like because if it's not perfect, then right. you're not welcome. And then we grow up with these parents who make us feel like we're not good enough. So we're even harder on ourselves. And we're like, oh, it's not perfect. I need to be perfect. Yeah. Oh, you know. And Well, and it doesn't help that I, I mean, I don't know if I talked about this on the last episode. I don't think so, but... I mean, my dad kicked me out of my house at 17 for not washing the dishes the correct way. 
you know? So yeah. now it's like every time I clean or do something, I'm afraid that it's not good enough. So for other people to see it, it like traumatizes me. It like triggers you. you. Yeah, yeah. I'm like it's good enough for me, but I don't know if it's good enough for you. And if, and it goes back to the whole unconditional love thing again, that it's like, if I'm not perfect and doing things perfect, then you're going to judge me and you're going to hate me. And, and then I'm going to lose you. Right. And I can't do that. Right. I, I also think that INFJs naturally born are very hard on themselves, which I believe because I've talked to other INFJs who are not highly sensitive, who are hard on themselves, but not as hard as we are. I think, I think that, so we have to find that, like, what is it that, is this unhealthy for us to be this hard on ourselves? Or is this, like, we're just being perfectionist naturally? Like, what is it? I know as a kid, early on in my life, they thought I was a gifted child. Yeah. Like, you know, they said, oh, you know, you're gifted. But then first grade, second grade, anxiety kicked in. I shut down. And then I became this, I went from gifted to my mom was like, you're a total fuck up. What is wrong with you? Why are you so lazy? Why can't you pay attention? And now I see it. I'm like, okay, so I was an unhealthy child. (laughs) You know, I was not getting my needs met and I was shutting down. So I went from this gifted child to this child who was shutting down, who was being gaslit to believe that I was autistic, retarded, stupid lazy um and even to the point where my mom had everybody in my family convinced that there was something so wrong with me that it made me shut down even more and I just quit trying and it's like we are so sensitive that like you have to be encouraged and it's not that we're looking for gratification or that we're narcissists we need that validation we need that like you're not crazy we're not lazy we're not stupid and we have to tell ourselves that though like that's huge because if we don't believe it ourselves like you know we'll always go into those loops of like we have to be perfect we have to do everything perfect and then we shut down Mm -hmm. so it's like why even try yeah so if we don't get out of those loops of trying to be so hard on ourselves like our whole life will be anxiety and like stress you know so it's so important to retrain our thought process to like get out of that loop of yeah. perfection. perfection, perfection, perfection. That's the thing is like no one will ever be perfect. No one can do perfection. Right. So why are we killing ourselves over something that doesn't even exist? It's right. not even attainable. Why not be our authentic selves? Because we're going to kill ourselves anyways. <laughs> yeah. You know, like oh, I'm getting called. You want me to pause it? Yeah. All right. No, oh, I can't pause it. We'll finish oh. off there. I think we went through everything anyways. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll talk about the other stuff. That's 46 minutes. That's about the Yeah, that's good. All right. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye.